0: That was Daisy Castro playing the Hoagie Carmichael classic, Stardust. It's from her first CD, Gypsy Moth, which she recorded at the ripe old age of 13. Welcome to Artworks, the program that goes behind the scenes with some of the nation's great artists to explore how art works. I'm your host, Josephine Reed. Daisy Castro began playing the violin when she was six. The story goes that her parents found a violin in an antique shop. They handed it to Daisy and asked, do you want to play this? It turned out that she did, and it turned out that she was extremely talented. She learned to play with the Suzuki method which emphasizes learning by ear, along with the more traditional music notation, and having music and a musical community central to a child's life. There, Daisy lucked out. Both her parents are musicians, playing guitar, cello, and percussion. So she grew up in a musical environment where hearing live performances was just a part of everyday life. Somewhere along the line, Daisy heard gypsy jazz, a style of jazz that began in France in the 1930s with guitarist Django Reinhardt, who was soon joined by violinist Stefan Grappelli. Daisy was hooked by its mixture of melancholy and exuberance, and gypsy jazz became her passion. At 13, she played at her first annual Django Reinhardt Festival in France and wowed the crowds. She's returned every year since. Stateside, she's played at some of the legendary jazz clubs like Birdland and Blues Alley. So far, her 16th year has been a good one. She just completed the Strathmore Artist-in-Residency Program. Her second CD, Deviation, or D'aviation, has just been released. And even as I speak, she's playing at the Django Festival in France. I spoke to her the week before she left for Europe and I asked her to describe Gypsy Jazz.
1: I think it's very strange. It's obscure, and it's really interesting, actually. Like, it has more passion and a lot of emotion, like a very wide range of emotions are displayed by the musicians that are playing it. It's, it's di- very difficult to explain because it's such a strange genre of music, but it's, it's not like anything else that I've ever heard. Like it does take influences from a lot of other things like American jazz and swing. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other additional feeling that is very different from other things.
0: There's a a melancholy tone sometimes. Yes. There's also songs that are so upbeat. And, there and- are
1: songs that can really make you feel just like serious energy, especially like being on a stage and playing with the musicians and connecting with them and playing these really fast songs, you can feel like everything is just alive.
0: There's no drummer, per se, in gypsy jazz, typically. Is that true? No,
1: the the guitarists are actually the rhythm section And and the bass, if there is one. Daisy, you began
0: by playing classical violin. How long were you playing classical music?
1: I was in, like, a junior symphony, so the York Junior Symphony, for about five seasons. I started when I was in second grade, and then... I believe I stopped after sixth grade. It was a really awesome experience because there were so many other people my age that were really great musicians and it was nice to play with them. But I took lessons, classical lessons, for about six years maybe. But I actually prefer jazz because it's free and you can just do anything. How did you first
0: discover jazz?
1: When I was 6 years old, my parents and I went to France, and that was conveniently the same time that I started playing the violin. So, I discovered the music of Stefan Grappelli, Django Reinhardt, the great kings of gypsy jazz, and I like it like I had been listening to it since I discovered it, but I didn't really start playing it until maybe 4 years ago.
0: And what made you begin to play?
1: Well, I just really like the style. Like I had been listening to it for quite a while and I wanted to be able to recreate and do the kind of stuff that they did in the recordings.
0: Your parents are musical as well. They play. Yeah. And they play gypsy jazz too, don't they? I mean, they play play a lot of different things, but it includes gypsy jazz. It does.
1: It's not all gypsy jazz. In fact, as a band, we do like all sorts of stuff, alternative stuff. We've done more popular stuff and just everything pretty much. So it's really nice to have grown up with them because they're really supportive of the music that I'm doing, and they understand about the music, and they help me as much as they can, and it's quite pleasant. When you
0: moved from classical to jazz, how was it going from playing set pieces to improvising?
1: Actually, to be honest, for the first couple of years, I was absolutely terrified of improvisation. Like, I could do some, but it was difficult for me to grasp the concept of, say, improvising on an actual Gypsy Jazz tune. Like, minor swing was horrifying to me, just thinking about trying to play without seeing things on a page. or Actually, it wasn't necessarily because there was no music written down for me, but it was just the fact that I didn't think that I could possibly come up with the amount of notes that I needed to... Create a decent solo in the amount of time that I had. So, I mean, it was very challenging, but it was definitely worth it to practice and learn how to do it.
0: How did you learn how to do it?
1: Mostly I listen to uh, CDs of the players that I like and like solos that I'm particularly fond of on the songs that I want to learn. And I kind of pick up stuff from people, but then I add my own things as well. It's very hard to explain. Like, I guess playing and styles for everyone are constantly evolving. So it's hard to sort of like pinpoint where exactly you picked mm-hmm. something up from. Like no, you, it might have just come from yourself or your mind or your heart.
0: To me, it's just mind boggling how, how skilled you have to be in order to be able to improvise.
1: It can be very difficult. It, what intimidates me now are very fast songs, like it's maybe not intimidation, but like just anxiousness um, if I'm trying to improvise on a very fast song, because you, you have to have a quick mind for that, like maybe not mind, but just something about you has to be quick. And I think at some point it sort of just becomes like an instinct for you once you've been playing for long enough that it just comes out and you don't really think about it.
0: Somebody told me it was like driving a car, clearly. Well, you need eighty gazillion times more talent, but in the way that when you first start driving, every single thing has to be thought about. Okay, turn the key, do this, and now you you know you get in the car and you just go. There's an instinct yeah. that takes over.
1: Uh, yeah, that's that's actually a good comparison.
0: What also strikes me about improvising, it's not even that you yourself need to come up with the notes, but that you also have to be so good about listening to your fellow musicians and picking up when they improvise because there's give and take going on.
1: Honestly, I I would say that I learn so much from just playing with other people, like instead of having to sit there and consciously practice stuff like that, Just playing with other people and picking up stuff from them and picking up stuff, just like hearing stuff and sort of absorbing it as you are jamming. Very, very valuable.
0: Do you remember your first performance, the first time you stood up in front of people?
1: No, I do not. couldn't tell you anything about that because I have no idea when it was.
0: (laughs) Okay, what's the first performance you remember?
1: I remember we played a song called Rock, Salt, and Nails. I remember playing it in my parents' barn. We have a party there. Like every year it's a harvest party and a bunch of people come and there's music and everything. But that is one of the first things that I ever played on the violin with my parents as a band. And it was like, I believe it was like the first violin that I ever got. And it was a one eighth size and it was tiny. So that's pretty much the first thing that I remember about playing in public. Did you like playing in public
0: or was that something you
1: had to get used to? I still get nervous now whenever, like, there's a stage involved, but I don't remember really consciously having stage fright or getting nervous when I was younger. I think it was just that I was so young that it was, like, a normal thing to do. So I've grown up with that, and I guess that's probably an an advantage.
0: Your parents and you, you play as a family, and you're called the Infidel Castros. Yes. Which is a great name. Were you playing as, as a family... Pretty much all along when you were in the symphony. Yes,
1: definitely. We started playing more after that, like maybe eighth grade to now we've been playing the most. But when that was going on, I mean, we would do some shows here and there. But we really started playing like a lot out when I was in middle school.
0: You were homeschooled.
1: I am still homeschooled.
0: Yeah, you are, of course, because you're 16. You are still homeschooled. Yeah. I'm assuming because... When you're playing, it's a very different schedule from a school schedule, well, among other reasons. Yes,
1: definitely. Being in school, Like it was so hard to travel because just all the stuff that you missed, the whole school system is so fast that you can't afford to miss a couple weeks of education or else you're not going to be able to do well on tests or anything like that. But homeschool for me has been a really good thing because I have so much more time to travel and more time to do stuff like real life stuff besides education. So I think it's important for like musicians to be able to have that experience and not be stuck in public schools, unable to really work around that schedule.
0: I would also think travel and playing with other musicians is an extraordinary education unto itself. Yes, it is
1: definitely. For me personally, it's a lot better because I can get out, learn things that I wouldn't have learned in school about the world and about music.
0: Let's hear a song from the Infidel Castros. This is from the CD Strange Enchanted, and it's called Bacchanal. Tell us something about it.
1: That song was actually based on one of the pieces from Samson and Delilah, and I actually played it when I was with the Junior Symphony. But this is sort of like our rendition of it. It's like we put a very original twist on it. Okay. So here we go.
0: That is wonderful. How old were you when you when you did the CD? I
1: was 11. It was the first CD that I did uh, ever.
0: So, it was your first time in a studio. What yes. was that like?
1: It was it was very new, it was different. I sort of just went with whatever because it seemed sort of natural. The studio that we recorded it in, the other two CDs were also recorded there, is really nice. It's actually it has a very homely feel and it's very comfortable. It was easy to do it.
0: Obviously, with your third CD, Deviations, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you really had a lot more input about the songs that you chose and how the whole thing came together. Definitely,
1: because from the first two CDs, I'd gotten more experience and like learned more about how exactly to put things on the CD and what my stronger points, what I would want to be recorded for forever, just like a landmark of what I've been doing.
0: You also wrote two songs for your latest CD. This is yet another new experience.
1: Definitely. Actually, these were the first two songs that I wrote with minimal help. Like, Of course, my dad helped me come up with like the chord progressions because I don't play guitar, unfortunately. But all the melodies, I managed to write myself, and it was the first time I'd ever written a song just completely on my own. The whole structure was up to me. I was very nervous about it. I think the anticipation of actually having to write it was a lot worse than actually going for it and writing. It's true for
0: so
2: much. Yeah.
1: I mean, it really does feel good. Like once you have finished writing it, because you have this thing that you have created and hearing it being played back to you is also a really nice experience because it's like, wow, I actually made this.
0: <laughs> How is sitting down and writing a song different from kind of the musical muscles you use when you're improvising?
1: Well, it actually involves serious thinking. Like you have to put thought into it. It has to be original. Like I would prefer if it didn't. It wasn't like based off of something else that I heard. Of course, every song that's written has to take some influences from somewhere. But um, like I try to keep it as personal as possible like as close to what I like and what I like to hear and what I like to play as possible so there's a lot of you put into it so you have to sort of like reach into yourself and find things that you didn't exactly know were there before and it it's fascinating to do it but can be frustrating but it's always worth it in the end.
0: Tell me again which songs on deviations are yours?
1: which is the title track. and me. <laughs> sorry. And also Cat uh, quatrepin Excuse my murdered French.
0: <laughs> Your French is beautiful. Do you speak French?
1: I speak a little bit, but I'm working on it. How often do you go to France? Every year now.
0: Because, of course, Django Reinhardt yes. lived in France. Yeah. And is adored there. Definitely. That's a question. When you tour in Europe, and especially France, do you find that people are more aware of this type of music, of gypsy jazz, perhaps? Yes, definitely. Because
1: it was born there, like a lot more people know about it than the people here. But I have noticed that it is spreading to other countries, especially in the US. It's popping up everywhere and it's getting a lot more known and a lot more people are trying it out. So I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, So why don't we hear Deviation. You see, you think your French is bad. Is a terrific song. Thank you. I didn't know you wrote it, and I've been listening to the CD over the past few days. And every time this would come on, I'd be bopping around the house. It's you can't sit still and listen to it.
1: I should mention that I was frustrated in the midst of writing, and I actually got tired of it. I didn't really have trust in myself that I could write any more songs, and so I just popped out with this melody because I was so irritated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a great illustration of the peppier side of gypsy jazz, because as we said, there's this kind of lament or melancholy strain that goes through it. But then yeah. there's also this other side, and that's a great illustration of it. Mm-hmm. Listening to Gypsy Moth, your first solo CD that you made at 13, and then Deviation that you made at 15, the progression of your musicality is is really quite extraordinary.
1: Can you hear that as a musician, too? I definitely can. Like, I'm always trying to improve. Like, I know you, as a musician or an artist of any sort, you don't stop improving, and or you shouldn't stop improving, and that's what I hope never to do. But actually, listening to Gypsy Moth is bittersweet for me. I feel tortured at the same time as I feel like, oh, wow, at 13, I, I made music, and that's pretty cool, but... I get embarrassed sometimes just listening to the songs because, like, I know that I've improved, but rewinding my life to that stage was awkward for me because it was so, I don't know, different and not as advanced, I guess. Well,
0: it was your first solo CD. You were yeah. 13. I think it's pretty damn impressive. The difference between performing and recording.
1: There is a very, very vast difference between those two things there's also a different energy like recording I find is more nerve-wracking because you know that you you're creating music that will be heard by people and it's going to be permanently on a disc and you probably shouldn't mess it up because you're gonna have to live with that for a long time (laughs) but performing is a completely different story with when I perform I feel a much different kind of energy because I know that you get one chance at this performance because you're not going to have the same performance again. And you kind of have to give it just give it your best every time. And I think it's easier for me to not hold back when I play because it's one chance and it's just it's going to be gone after you do it. So you should just go for it.
0: <laughs> and do you find the audience helps energize?
1: Definitely. A lot of times... Actually, all of the time, audiences make a huge difference in a performance. When they have huge amounts of energy, as opposed to maybe politely golf clapping, it makes such a big difference, and it's so nice when the audience, you can tell that the audience is really enjoying it, and the audience looks like they're having a good time and enjoying the music. It makes such a difference in the way I feel about performing the show. And you
0: just recently ended a residency at the Strathmore Music Center. I did. Tell us about that.
1: There is a lot to say about the Strathmore, actually. There's workshops and stuff like that, and you get a music business education at the same time as meeting other people and connecting with other people in that area. So you do three performances, two public ones, in one month every Wednesday, and then one educational workshop. I think my favorite part about it without a doubt is the collaborations because there's six artists in residence in all and you have the option to collaborate with each one and like join them, play on a couple of songs in their show. And just the way you can like learn different styles of music and be exposed to all these different styles that you didn't really play or wouldn't have played otherwise or maybe didn't really think about very much is really fun. Just the exposure I think being bombarded with all sorts of different sort of like music cultures and being educated by various genres and adding them to things that you can play or can't play and just figuring out more about yourself and what you you can do. So I think it's really nice because we're all like younger and we can connect with each other because we have pretty much the same experience levels as far as music goes like we're just starting out. And it really helps me grow as a musician, as a person.
0: You're leaving for Europe. How long are you going? What's going on there?
1: Actually, next week I will be in Europe and I'm going to the Django Festival in Samoa, which is a city that, or it's not even a city, it's like a little village that's, now we're sort of southeast of Paris. So it's along the Seine River and I believe it's the biggest Gypsy Jazz Festival in the world, and it's really great. There's a lot of things to do and a lot of things to see and experience there.
0: Do you know how many people participate in it?
1: Uh, a lot. A
0: lot. <laughs> <laughs> and how long will you be in Europe?
1: I'll be there for about two weeks. Um, I'm actually going to Barcelona afterwards, but that's just a vacation. We're not. I'm not sure if I'm playing there or not.
0: Why don't we go out on one of your songs, and the song... Indifference. Yes. And do you want to tell us just a teeny bit about that before we listen to it?
1: Well, the guitarist who plays on my album, the one who is doing the solos, is named Gonzalo Bergara, and he is an absolute genius when it comes to writing music and arranging things. And he made a really nice original arrangement for this song because he actually admitted to me that he doesn't like waltzes, but he likes this waltz, <laughs> and I can agree with that because it's it has a really incredible arrangement.
0: Okay, and here we go. Daisy Castro, thank you so much. Thank you. with 16-year-old violinist Daisy Castro. Her recent CD is called Deviation or Deviation. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Adam Campy is the musical supervisor. Excerpts from Deviation, written by Daisy Castro, and excerpt from Indifference, based on Indifference by Tony Marina, arranged by Gonzalo Bagara, from the CD Deviation, both performed by Daisy Castro. Excerpt from Bacchanal, based on Bacchanal from the opera Samson and Delilah, composed by Camille Sansen, Arranged and performed by the Intradel Castros, from the CD, Strange Enchanted. Excerpt from Stardust, from the CD, Gypsy Moth. Written by Hoagie Carmichael, performed by Daisy Castro. The Artworks Podcast is posted every Thursday at arts.gov. You can subscribe to Artworks at iTunes U. Just click on the iTunes link in our podcast page. Next week, we're taking a break to celebrate the 4th of July. To find out how art works in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Have a great holiday and thanks for listening.